Hi, how are you all doing? That's awesome. Uh, Greg is so gracious in his introduction, thank you, about my preaching, but I'm like, hey, this is Woodland Hills. Uh, your pastor is one of the greatest theologian teachers and Christian thinkers out there today. And so I had to make sure when I wrote this sermon that it just wasn't theologically sound, but that it was good. But not just good, but Woodland Hills good. Uh-huh. And so I believe that it is. Uh, so I was told that this service is the rowdy service. Hey, I like it. I like it. And so this, apparently you all are. I came in and I was like, oh, okay, I see. I saw hands waving and people jumping. It was, I said, I like this group. I like this group. I like all the groups, but I really like energetic crowds. And so I'm really excited to be here. Just want to give a shout out again to all the mamas out there. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful day to the celebrating mamas, to the waiting mamas, grieving mamas. Um, God bless you. I pray God's grace and, and just kindness and peace upon you today. You know, I was, as we were in between services, I got a text message from a dear friend and sister of mine who is a waiting mama, um, waiting for uh, God to bless her and give her children. And so she just sent me a text message to say, hey, Nicole, happy Mother's Day. And I thought that was so sweet, but she kept going and just saying, you know, you were a mom before you became a mom. And just talked about the nurturing gift that God has given many of us sisters in here, that whether you have given birth to children or not, uh, many of you have a nurturing gift that you give to so many. And so I want to personally thank you on behalf of all the spiritual children uh, who may or may not be in here today to all the spiritual mamas out there in addition to our biological ones, adopted ones, and all of you other great ones. So happy Mother's Day. I had to do it again. From mama to mama. From mama to mama. And so um, I'm not sure how it usually works here at Woodland Hills, but um, I hope you all don't mind if I make myself at home. Amen. Oh, I'm getting amens already, and I didn't even get started. I feel a dance. Did anybody else feel like, you know, doing the electric slide, doing that last song? I was like, hey. But I was like, I don't want to start trouble. I don't want people like, that's the speaker. She's, she's electric sliding. Isn't that a secular dance? You know, but maybe later we can have a little party. I don't know. Um, I, got, I got on my party in shoes, so I'm ready. Uh, okay, seriously, guys, let's get started here. <laughs> I want, I'm going to read uh, some verses to you out of Second Kings. I'm going to read a story to you that maybe perhaps some of you all have heard. is uh, the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. And just a heads up, I, I love the stories of Elijah and Elisha. Uh, it's just so many dynamic things that God spoke through them and the miraculous sorts of experiences they had. And so while this sermon today is not a Mother's Day specific sermon, it is certainly a Mother's Day inspired sermon. And so I want you to listen along as I read uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, um, verses 8 through 16. And then afterwards, I will pray because you can never have enough prayer. I thought about how many times do we pray in church. Um, so we should all have some really great breakthroughs by the end of a service as many times as we pray. Amen? Amen. I was just practicing seeing if you all were with me. Second Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 8. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. 
She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him up on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elijah returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put a good word in for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elijah asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elijah told him. When the woman returned, Elijah said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. We'll stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you for the gift of this time together of fellowship, God, and just being able to be in your presence with your people. So we ask that you would speak um, through the words of this sermon today. Would you touch our hearts, Holy Spirit? Change us, challenge us, convict us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all say together again. Amen. And so I have to give real transparency here. One of the reasons why I chose this particular text is one, I am a storyteller. I love being able to recount and recite and tell stories from scripture, but also I chose this story because this woman reminded me as I was looking at it, uh, she, she reminds me of the sort of woman that I grew up with uh, when I was coming up in church. And so you may not know this, or maybe it is in the little bio in your pamphlet, but I am from Chicago. Are there any other Chicagoans here? Let me look. Okay, there's one. Every service I've asked, oh, I got a white brother. Yes, finally. Because every service, it was only black people. And so I'm glad we're mixing it up. We're mixing it up this service. God bless you. Um, and so anyway, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. If you're from Chicago, you understand the significance of sides, right? And so um, I grew up in this really small missionary Baptist church where my grandmother was actually the senior pastor. I didn't realize the significance of it then, but I do now as I am now older and pastoring myself. And so I grew up in this church, and one of the really interesting things that happens there or that was present in this community at this particular church is that we had this wonderful group of women. And these women, uh, they were sweet, they were hospitable, they, they had little candies they give you, you know, those little hard candies that I don't know if they were a name brand or not, but they were wrapped up in this little shiny paper with fruit sorts of imprints on it. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I know y'all just used to Jolly Ranchers, but there used to be a candy with no name, and you knew what kind it was because it had the fruit wrapping color on the outside of it. And so anyway, they have these little candies and all this other great stuff, but they were also a mentoring sort of group that if you kind of got out of line, they would kind of help gently correct you, or maybe not so gently, depending on which, which sister you got. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they were really sweet, and one of the things that really sticks out in my mind is that they were dynamic cooks. I mean, dynamic chefs. Sometimes after service, they would make these really huge meals. And one of my favorite things that sticks out to me most was they cooked the best desserts. There was a woman, we called her Sister Morel. That it sounds like she can cook, doesn't it? 
Dang. But she made the best lemon cake. And I remember just loving these lemon cakes that she used to make. But I just thought about them and I thought about the gift of hospitality they had, how they were always making room, no matter who you were or what you did, they were always making room. And so uh, this woman in today's text reminds me of that. And it's so funny. It says that when Elijah would come in town, he would stop by her house for something to eat. I'm guessing she knew how to throw down, right? She knew how to cook some good food, but he would stop by and he would, um, he would make himself at home. And it says one day she perceived that this was a man of God. And so she asked her husband, she said, hey, how about we build an addition to our house for him? Can you imagine liking someone so much that you add an addition onto your home? I like it. Every service is the same. Everybody's like, nope, I cannot. <laughs> that's, that's not something I can imagine. But she did. And they did. They made this addition onto their home and um, they uh, invited Elijah and Gehazi to stay there whenever they were in town. And so this interesting thing happens. Elijah is so um, excited and grateful. He and Gehazi are so grateful for her hospitality that one day they're like, okay, what can we do for her? Isn't it lovely that when you give and you give and you give that finally someone says, you know, what can we do for you? What can we do for you? And so they go to her and they say, what, what is it? What do you need? What do you need? What can we do? And you know what she says? Nothing. I'm good. My family takes good care of me. I don't need any favors. I've just given this out of the goodness of my heart. And so she goes away and they keep talking. Thank God they persisted. But Elijah's like, Gehazi, what can we do? What can we do for this woman? And you know, Gehazi goes, well, she doesn't have a son. Okay, that's kind of a big thing right? To give to somebody. What can we give them? Let's give them a son, right? And so he goes, Let's, what, what about this? She doesn't have a son. Her, her husband is older. Um, that, that, I think that's the thing. That's the thing. Merry Christmas to you, right? And so they call her back and Elijah says, he calls her back and he says, listen, here's the thing. This time next year, make room. This time next year, make room. Isn't it amazing? And I just have to point this out really quick, how this woman opens up her home, how she has become hospitable, how she has made space and created space for her home and her home for these people. And in addition to making the space, she also unwittingly makes room and makes space for God to move in her life. You know, we, we kind of, you know, one of the things that our church that was really huge, even when we started our church, we're a church plant, we're about six years old, um, six year, we, five years, we don't really count the first year, that was just practice, is what I like to tell people, it was tough. Um, but one of the things that we have a high value on is hospitality, welcoming the stranger, where a person can put down their strangeness when they walk through our doors. That we're not trying to force you to change, but we want to create an environment so you can fully be who God has called you to be, right? And so there is something about extending hospitality. Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite writers and theologians, he says this, hospitality is the creation of free space where the stranger can come in and become a friend where the stranger can come in and become a friend. Every church ought to have a spirit of hospitality. We should be creating space where the stranger can put down their strangeness, come in and be friend. Here is this, here is this thing that we see even in this exchange between Elisha and this woman, that there has somehow been a friendship that has come about between the two of them, a connection uh, uh, of sorts where Elijah says, I want to do something for her. 
If you've been around church any amount of time, and even if you haven't, you've probably heard this really popular verse that's in Philippians, and the verse that says, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to, your, according to his riches and his what? Okay, good. There are a few people who know that verse, right? And I used to read that, and I never thought about it, but then you know what the context is for that? The context is this. Paul is writing to this group of Philippians and he's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for giving to me. Thank you for pouring into my ministry. Thank you for helping me to spread the gospel. And so now I'm not asking you for anything more. What I want to do is I want to pray that God blesses you. Because your extension of service, your extension of giving, you know what, that pleases God. And so I want to pray a blessing over you. And that's when he says, and my God who takes good care of me, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and his glory. I like it. When Paul prays a prayer, he doesn't pray a small prayer. When he asks God to bless, he says, I pray that God would bless you, not according to your means, not according to what your neighbor has, but what according to what he has. According to his riches and his glories, may God give you blessing from that. I believe that when Gehazi and Elijah had this meeting, I feel like they came up and said, you know what? We want to pray a God blessing over you. What do you need, a son? <laughs> what don't you have, a son? And she said, no, but let's go back to verse 16. Elijah says, next time, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. And what did she say? Yay, hooray. She says, no, my Lord, she cried. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But verse 17 tells us, but sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. Isn't it interesting? You know, I read this and I thought her response was really interesting. She doesn't say, yes, finally. No, no, no. She says, no, don't get my hopes up like that. Can I ask, have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been disappointed? I mean, like Proverbs 13, disappointed, like a dream, a dream that has been deterred or a dream that hasn't come about yet. It makes the heart sick. I mean, disappointed to where your heart has been sick and broken. Maybe there, I don't know, maybe this isn't that group, but let me tell you. This woman had experienced that sort of disappointment when it came to that dream. She experienced the sort of hurt and the sort of pain of expecting time after time, year after year, and nothing had come about for her yet. Can I just, can I be real? I feel this woman. I understand her story. There was a time that my husband and I were trying to conceive, and month after month, I waited and I checked, and month after month turned to year after year. Y'all not going to say nothing, but I do believe that there is somebody who understands what I mean when I say y'all ain't going to say nothing. That's just a way of saying y'all say amen. I forgot I'm in the wrong church. I just can't be throwing out stuff like that. Y'all like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> Sorry, no offense. I forgot for a second. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. But they're, they're the, the kind of hurt and disappointment where it's just not a one-time thing. 
it became month after month to year after year to the extent where I said, God, I don't even want to think about this anymore. I don't want to think about this anymore. So when she says, when Elijah says to her, I understand her response when she says, don't play with my emotions. I've gone through a lot of work, a lot of therapy, a lot of counseling. Watched a lot of Joel Osteen sermons. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I may not get invited back after this last service. <laughs> but she had, she had done some work to get over this hump, to get this dream out of her system. To get this thing out of her system so when Elijah brings it back up, she goes, don't play with my emotions. I don't want to hope like that again. And Elijah says, this time next year. And she does. And we go, man, that's the end of the story. We can all go home. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm a storyteller, so I got to tell you the whole story. She has the son. And then we read in verses, same chapter, verses 18 through 21, we read this. It says, one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him to his mother. <laughs> I love how dads do that. Where's your mom? Where's your mom? So the servant took him home, and his mother um, uh, held him on her lap, but around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the, man, the bed of the man of God. Then she shut the door and left him there. She shut the door and left him there. Have you ever had a dream something you didn't want to think about or be discouraged about anymore, you, you put it in a room, you shut the door, and you left it there. For years and years, my husband and I were trying to conceive. And I said, okay, God, this, this just isn't going to happen. I'm going to shut the door, and I'm going to leave it there. And I had already kind of been going through this kind of struggle where I was always trying to balance, you know, is God good? When bad things happen, is God good? I know Greg could get up here and tear that subject up. <laughs> is God still good? And, and I was, I was uh, kind of teetering in this place of just kind of having a faith crisis about this, like, God, what are you going to do? But I had shut the door because I didn't want to think about it. I had shut the door and I had left it there. And then I remember there was this mantra that I have <laughs> that I got out of um, Matthew chapter 7, unless you think I am Buddhist or Hindu. <laughs> but it came out of the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus is talking about prayer and he talks about the Father, he says, listen, if you sinful fathers know how to give good gifts, that if your son comes to you and says, will you give me bread, will you give him a stone? If your daughter comes to you and says, can I have some fish? Will you give them a serpent? His answer is no, of course not. Now, if you sinful fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does the father in heaven give good gifts to his children? 
So I had to remember, even though I had put that dream there and I had shut the door and I walked away, I had to remember, you love how, I love how the Holy Spirit will bring things back to your remembrance just when you're like sinking into a deep, deep, deep low where you're like, I'm not going to come out of this. The Holy Spirit will bring a truth back to your remembrance and he brought the truth to my remembrance of this. God is a good father and he loves to give good gifts. God is a good father and he loves to give good gifts. I believe this woman in our text today, no, she didn't have my saying or my mantra, but I believe deep down she believed that God was able to give her a good gift even though her dream looked dead. I say look dead for a reason. I'm doing a little dance because I get happy. You know what she does after she finds out that her son is dead? She goes in, she lays in the room, she closes the door. What does she do? Does she panic? Does she call 911? I know they didn't have phones, but work with me. You know what I'm saying. Does she, who does she tell? Does she tell his father? No. Does she call for help? No. As a matter of fact, when people are asking her, where are you going? Why are you in a rush? What's going on? Because she begins to make plans to travel to Elijah. Her husband even says, what's going on, baby? <laughs> That's not in there, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> what's going on? Where are you going? She goes, everything is okay. Everything is okay. Now, I couldn't believe it. That, that blew my mind. Can I just tell you all, I am a faith person. I don't know what it is. I said this in the earlier service. I have always been fascinated with faith. Ever since I was younger, I've been fascinated with faith, and I prayed for faith all the time. I mean, from seven, eight years old, God, give me faith, give me faith, give me faith. So much so that when it would be time to get ready for school and my mother would run me um, a bath the night before, before I would get in the tub, I would test the water, not to see the temperature, but to see if I could walk on it. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'd be standing there like this. Let me try it again, didn't have enough faith. <laughs> it never worked, but one day I did walk on water. It was frozen. Gotcha. I love it, because I get a pause every time I say that. Everybody's like, are you serious? It was frozen, but it still counts, right? You never know how God wants to do something in your life. You think it's supposed to be this way, but he may change it and have it be another way. But nevertheless, I am a faith person. So when this woman goes, everything is okay. I am like so drawn to that and excited about that because she is speaking her truth. She hasn't gotten to Elijah yet, but there is something that rises up in her that goes, it is going to be okay. Sometimes, help me Jesus, sometimes there will be things going on in your life and you may look and say, this all looks bad, but you just have to tell yourself, it will be okay. It will be okay. It will be just fine because great is his faithfulness. Great is his mercy. It will be okay. And she goes to Elisha's home. 
And I love the conversation, the dialogue that happens. She's running up, and Gehazi meets her first, and she goes, listen. He goes, is everything okay? She's like, yep, it's okay. I'm not here to talk to you. And she keeps going to the door. Y'all know I'm just inserting <laughs> my, own, my own self in there. And she, she goes to Elijah, and there's a little dialogue that happens between them that I want to read at verse 28. It says, then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, I felt like she had an attitude. <laughs> I know I would have had an attitude. I'm not saying it's right. But I would have felt some kind of way. And she goes, and didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. And immediately, Elijah says to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go because he knows the situation is dire. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. And then verse 30. It says, but the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, as surely as my name is Shirley from Shunem. I had to give her a name. As surely as my name is Shirley from Shunem. I won't go home unless you go with me. Unless you go with me. The one who prophesied this. The one who prayed this. I'm not leaving until you come with me. Sometimes <laughs> when we've left that dream behind and we've closed the door, we have to go back and we have to say, okay, God, give me the strength to go back. And we have to ask again. We have to ask again. And she tells Elijah, maybe, you know, not so nice. I don't know. This, this is me um, inserting my, my, my spin on the text, right? And she says, you must come back with me. It's not going to work with Gehazi going. I know what you told him to do, but you have to come back with me. And Elijah so kindly obliges. He returns home with her. He goes the same route as her. And I love that she just wouldn't give up, that she knew what needed to happen in that moment, and she would not let go. I call that a tenacious faith. A tenacious faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I call that a tenacious sort of faith. And let me say this. I don't know you all personally. I don't know what's going on in your lives. But I'm guessing if we were all honest that there is something in our lives that we're this close, this close to giving up on. There's something in our lives that we've already given up on. There's some sort of thing we put the hope away for. The dream is dead for it. We don't want to go back and we don't want to revisit it. But God, <laughs> but God, when we think about our situations, you know what the angel says to Mary. What God even says to Sarah when she laughed about having a baby. 
Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for God? Listen, I know that the situation may look bad, but God. I know that things may not be right, but God. I know it may be discouraging. I know it may feel debilitating, but is there anything too hard for God? But God. But God. Everybody say, but God. But God. Listen, let me tell you something. You ought to go home today <laughs> and you ought to look at yourself in the mirror, think about that situation and just say, but God. Every time you're going through, when the situation comes up, you get the phone call, just hang it up and say, but God. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to encourage yourself like I'm doing right now. <laughs> but God. I don't even know how I got there. I got excited. But God, Shirley from Shunem, because we've now given her a name, she brings Elijah back to our home. And Elijah goes to the room and he prays over, he lays hands on, he does all of these things and the boy is resuscitated. And then there's this beautiful picture of what happens. Verses 36 and 37. These are the last verses I'll read from this chapter. It says, then Elijah summoned Gehazi. Call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elijah said, here, take your son. She fell at his feet and she bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude, and she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. I mean, a, a funny thing about this, I read this and I go, does the dad know whatever happened? <laughs> where, was, where was he at? <laughs> but, but I wanted to read this these two particular verses for a reason because I thought it was interesting that this story ends where it all began. That right there in that room that she made for him, where it began is also where it ended. What does that say to us? That dream, that desire, that thing that you have buried, it's time for you to give it back to God. Give it back to God. You know, I told the story about how my husband and I, we were for years trying to conceive and it was not happening. And one day, because the Lord speaks to me like this sometimes, not a lot, but when he does, it's pretty exciting. God gave me a dream. And he gave me a dream that we would have a little girl. And in this dream, I saw some things that were pretty significant. Um, later, now I've realized it was significant. I saw her with two people. I saw her in the hospital, in a, like a hospital bed laying down, and I saw that she had like a wound on her. And so I woke up the next morning, I'm kind of like, okay, God, what's, what's that about? But the Lord said, this, this is your daughter, and even gave me a name for her, Alea. And so I left it there. I, I wrote that down. I'm like, okay, I don't know what any of that means. Little did I know that my husband and I would become foster to adopt parents. That was not in our plan. 
the way we became foster to adopt parents is my husband worked for an organization called Lutheran Social Services, and one of his work colleagues said, you know, this is so frustrating. We just don't have enough foster families for all these children in foster care. My husband was like, well, where can we sign up? Now, he did not call me and ask me any of this. <laughs> he came home like, babe, we're going to be foster parents. <laughs> really? You know? And so it was really cool. We, we went through the process, and initially we were just foster parents. And then a friend of ours who went to our church said, listen, I know a little girl who's in foster care. She's up for adoption, and they're looking for a family. We think you guys would be great. And so I was like, okay, deep breath. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. And they were like, she has some special needs. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, well, I really may not be ready for this. This was not my picture and my plan. But you know what? I remember the dream, and I just gave it to God. And we met the little girl who was adorable and cute and just pooping everywhere. She was. She was. Praise God. I was like, whoa, that's a lot, you know? And we met her, and after we met her with, at her foster family's home, the foster family said to us, it was around Christmas time, they said to us, well, will you come back next week and like do a one-on-one -on -one date? You know, take her out, have a good time. You know, <laughs> take her out, have a good time. See, 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 you know, just how things work. We said, okay, sure. We never got a chance to. We got a call the following week, and they said, you need to come to the hospital. She's dying. She was 12 months old. She had gotten a virus that had completely wiped out her lungs. And while she had that virus, while she was in the hospital with that virus, she got another virus. 12 months old, they had to put her on a heart, um, a heart and lung transplant machine. A machine that you're only meant to be on for a couple of days. She was on for two weeks. They called in a priest. They wanted her baptized. They were preparing us to say their goodbyes. But my husband and I, we walked out of the hospital, and I said, that's our daughter. And so we started praying. We went up there every day, every day. If not both of us, one of us. And we'd go and we'd sit with her. Met her one time. But the Lord just kind of made this connection between her and I, between us and her, as she laid in the hospital bed. You know how long she was in the hospital? For three months. Two of those months, she was unconscious. By the time that third month came around, I was like, okay, God, she's awake. It was a miracle. I'm like, okay, this is the dream. This is the thing. And she was awake, and they told us, the issues that she already had have been compounded. They said, um, developmentally, she will now be behind. She won't be able to eat on her own, so she has to have a tube, a feeding tube. She cannot breathe on her own, so she has to have a trach. I said, now God, this is not what you meant for my dream. This is not what you meant for my dream. I believe Shirley from Shunem was the same way that she had that dream and she said, God, this is not what you meant for my dream. I know it looks like all bad right now, but this is not 
what you meant for my dream. I know he looks dead right now, but this is not what you meant for my dream. I told you all I was a faith person. Something rose up in me and said, everything's going to be okay. I had to go to a training to learn how to change her trach and then practice changing her trach in her hospital room. I said, God, I don't have a stomach for this. A month went by and they kept saying, she's gonna come home with this trach, she's gonna come home with 24 hour nursing and I was like, God, please. Discharge day comes, hear what I'm saying. Discharge day comes. We have a huge exit meeting there were so many people. Her doctors were in the room. Nurses were in the room. Her foster parents were in the room. A huge room full of people, social workers and everything. We're sitting in the room, and they're going over the strategy, her care plan, from when we leave the hospital with her. And the Lord spoke to me and said, she won't have a trach when she comes home. Listen. Listen. I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do that because we're leaving the hospital in about 20 minutes. <laughs> but how many of you know his time is right on time? There used to be this song called, He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. We were sitting around the table, and they had taken her to get one more thing looked at. And so they get, they, the doctor um, answers a call in the middle of the meeting, and he's going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, that sounds good, to, you know, so on and so forth. You know, doctor speak. He gets off the phone, and he says, her lungs cleared up. We're decannulating her, which means we're taking her trach out. <laughs> she came home with no trach. Listen. There will be times where a spirit will rise up in you and God will show you something. And you have to know that what God has shown you is your truth. And you know what Shirley from Shunem did? She said, listen, there is more here. This is not what God meant for my dream. You know our daughter, she's six years old. To look at her now, you would never know that anything was wrong with her. Developmentally, she is fine. She's okay. I mean, if she was here right now, she'd probably be running around and just doing extra stuff. That'd be like, Alea, please sit down. Please sit down. Please sit down. But her name, Alea, means one who ascends above. I didn't know what she would have to overcome, but God did when he gave me her name. That's why when we saw her there, we just knew, God, this is not what you meant for our dream. You didn't mean for our dream to die. So not only did God bring her out miraculously, her doctors to this day say, this is a miracle, child. We don't even know how she's alive today. And God is so good that he took that to the next step for us and provided complete and total healing for her in ways that we didn't imagine, in ways that we didn't imagine, in ways that he had promised us. Listen, the name of the sermon, Make Room. All I'm doing is inviting you through this text today and through this message, will you make room for God? Will you go back to that room where you shut the door? Will you go back to that room with the dream and the thing that you have left alone? Will you go back there?
Will you open it up? And will you ask God again? Will you ask God again? Not in a way that demands that God change the situation, but ask again in a way that says, God, let your will be done. Can we give him the dream back and then allow him to give it back to us? God is so faithful that this woman in our text today makes room physically in her home, but unwittingly, unknowingly makes room for God to move in our life. And she dared to dream again, and God made those dreams come true. And she had a tenacious faith when it looked bad and said, God, this is not what you meant for my dream. We can all learn and glean from Shirley from Shuna. And just remember that even though others may have given us a no, people and places may have given us a no, God's yes is bigger than any no. And I know that from experience because the doctors gave us a big fat no, but God gave me a big old yes. But God. I want to invite you just really quickly. I didn't do this in any of the other services, so I hope this is okay. But I want to do a challenge for you all who are here in this service. That if there is something in your life and you're going, man, I don't know if I can trust again or dream again, but you've heard these words in this sermon today. I want to ask you this question, is there anything too hard for God? And the answer is no. And I'm here today to tell you, no matter what you got going on, no matter what situation or circumstance you're facing, I want you to know there is a but God for you. So here's what I want to do, because I'm a person of faith, and I believe that we are people of faith. That if you have something going on in your life, something that you just want to receive, like, God, give me a wave of faith before I leave out of these doors so I can look at my situation and say, but God. If that is you at the count of three, I just want you, if you're able, to stand to your feet. One, two, three. I like to count because that doesn't give you a lot of time to think. (laughs) Right? That's really cool. This is really cool. One of the things that's really great and why I asked you to stand up, because one, I want you to be able to see that you're not alone. You're not alone. There are many people who are believing God for something. And the next thing that I want to do is I want to pray for all of you people, all of you beautiful, wonderful, lovely people who are standing up, that God would give you what you need, that wave of faith before you walk out of this door. So even if you're not standing, would you extend your hands to the people who are standing? Would you maybe touch a shoulder if you're able, if you are? I don't know if y'all do that here, but we're just going to go ahead and be risque because you got a guest speaker, and it's okay. This might be my last time, but as long as God moves, I'm totally cool with that. 
because I trust that this message just wasn't for me, but it's for someone here today, and it looks like it is. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer. I love to see community, and really it's almost like bringing tears to my eyes because I love to see the people of God gather together and believe together. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst of them. And I do, I feel, and I sense God's presence deeply. And so, God, we thank you for every person, every brother, and every sister that is standing. We pray, God, that you would meet them individually and personally right there, God, in their circumstance, in the place that they are in. Jesus, would you just come and would you place your hand of peace, your hand of love, and your hand of protection upon them. Let them know, God, even as they see all of their brothers and sisters standing, that they are not alone. But God, let them know more than that, that you are with them and you will never leave them, nor will you forsake them, God. And so, God, even now, we pray, God, that you would just outpour supernaturally, God, a spirit of faith in us. That a wave of faith would just kind of rush over this room and fill us to overflowing where we can look at those situations and say, but God. And so, God, we thank you. I thank you for every heart and every person that is standing, for every hand that is extended, God. We pray your greatest and deepest blessing upon your people. And we all say together, amen. You may be seated. You can give God a hand praise. That's what we do at our church. Thank you so much. Thank you to those bold and courageous people who stood up. God is so good. God is so good. I believe that God just doesn't want us to come here as a social experiment, but actually to impact us and to change our lives. And so I want to invite the prayer team to come up. And if you're here today and you just want additional prayer, perhaps you didn't stand up, you know, and now you're like, oh, I wish I would have stood up. Don't worry, it's not too late. <laughs> We have some dynamic people on the prayer team. You're like, well, how do you know you just got here? Because I met a few of them already, see? I'm not just saying that. And so we want you to come up and we want you to get prayer. If you are a person and you go, man, I really just want to know more about Jesus. I want to actually become a disciple of Jesus. I want to become a follower. I want to invite him into my heart. I want to know more about this man named Jesus. We want to invite you up. We'll have someone here, they'll talk to you, they'll walk you through what that looks like and what that means, and so we want to invite you up as well. And so um, Pastor Greg told me that after I did all of that, that I could just dismiss you guys, and I said, well, what do you do when you dismiss people? And he did this. <laughs> so thank you all for coming to Woodland Hills Church today. Happy Mother's Day, and you are dismissed. God bless you.